Hey, morning. We are hitting the pause button on our series in Romans. We'll get back to it next week. Um, I don't know about you, but last week, uh, Brian put an image in my head that uh, traveled, me, traveled with me throughout the week, and the image of carrying a garbage can around, uh, being chained to a garbage can uh, where we, we go. It really, a g- great picture for us of the tension that we find in Romans chapter 7. Romans 6 is about the, 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 the fact that discipleship has a destination, um, and, uh, and then this, this last week, uh, Brian talked to us about the tension it, it, we have we, of getting rid of the, or cutting off the power of the old life. And we'll, and we'll get to Romans 8 next week. Uh, I like to call it the great eight. Uh, this is when uh, we, we, we start to really understand the life, life in the spirit and how to be set free from all that old life stuff. But we'll get to that uh, next week. This week, I want to talk to you uh, about where, where we sense God has taken us and, and talk to a little bit about, about vision and give you a sense for this next season that God has for us. So God is at work and He continues to be at work, and I want to have a conversation uh, about, about, uh, about vision. Today, there's a, uh, depending on your opinion, there's a very significant event happening in America. Uh, it's called the Super Bowl. Uh, some of you in the room are very excited to watch this game, some of you don't even give a rip, you don't care. And uh, yet there are two teams that are going to, very disciplined athletic teams that are going to hit the playing field, the gridiron today, and they are not surprised that they are there. They fully expected to be playing on the field today, knowing that they would be in Indianapolis. This was the plan from the beginning, from way back in training camp. If there's any surprise, it's the 30 other teams that are not playing today, because they all fully expected to be there. It was their vision. They had this destination in mind when they had their first workouts last spring. They all fully expected to be there, but now we're just down to two teams, and whoever wins, they will not be surprised because this was their destination. This is what they've been working hard toward all year long. Vision, uh, vision is like, it focuses you, it gives you clarity, it helps you understand why you're doing what you're doing, it helps you to say yes to the things you need to say yes to, it helps you to say no to the things you need to say no to. In a very practical sense, we deal with this on a daily basis. Now, if you're taking a trip, and uh, you're, let's say you're headed to, to Seattle, you're driving from Salem to Seattle, You've packed your car. You've got, you've got limited resources uh, to pay for gas for that trip. You know you're going to stop along the way. You've got something going on in Seattle. You have a vision. You're driving north. Someone in the car traveling with you says, hey, let's go, let's go see Old Faithful. Well, you go, well, well, here's the deal. We're in this car, and this car is going to Seattle. We don't have the resources to go to you know, see Old Faithful. Because we're, this is our destination. It's Seattle. That's what vision does. It helps you say, no, here, here's where we're going. This is what we're doing. And, um, and, and this has been a place of vision over, over the years. And so our, our leaders um, have, have been getting together this last year. In fact, I, here's what, vision is very important to me. I want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to know where we're going. I want to know uh, with, with clarity about what to say yes to and what to say no to. And, and so I invited our leaders into a conversation, our governing board, our elders, our staff, into a conversation of discovering our vision. And I say discovering because we, we get our vision from God. We don't uh, create the vision and then ask God to bless it. It's, it's the other way around. We ask him to reveal it to us, and then as he reveals it, we follow and so I, I told our church, our leaders, that if we dive into this, if we unearth 
uh, this, uh, unearth our past in this journey, we'll discover our future. And what I mean by that is this church was planted in 1921. Last year, uh, we, we celebrated 90 years as a church. 90 years. And, um, you know, if we're going to look forward into the future and discover what God has for us, we will find clues of where God's taking us in the future simply by reading the first 90 chapters of our narrative, our history as a church. I mean, if every year is a chapter, they're not individual short stories. They're all interconnected. And so if you've been here uh, at church for one year, you're pretty familiar with one chapter. Or maybe you've been at church here 50 years. You're pretty familiar with 50 chapters. But in order for us to really understand the, the, the story God is going to write for us in the future, we need to look back and read those first chapters and look for the trends, look for the significant things that God's been doing. Understand who he's brought here to this place, the gifts that he's given to them. And by doing that, by doing that excavation and unearthing of our past and understanding our present, we will have clues. We will discover where God was taking us, is taking us in the future. In fact, I, I came to this point where it's like, I was telling, we will, this will happen. We'll do all this work. We'll dig in. We'll own it all together. And then when we get to the end, we'll have this beautiful gold nugget. We'll call it vision. And we'll all be excited. And we'll be thrilled. And be like, oh, here it is. And, um, and, and then we went on the journey. We started asking some creative questions. We were doing all this stuff. And we, last July, our pastoral management team took all this information and we began looking at it. And we were excited to, to discover where God is taking us. And we hit a wall. I was, I was like, well, where's the vision? How come this thing isn't really coming together? What's, what's happening here? And... Uh, and we prayed, and, uh, and, and eventually what ended up happening is that, well, our, our pastoral management team, our senior leaders of this church, basically said, okay, why don't you just keep working on it and bring it back to us, and we'll just keep processing it. And so I went home, sat in my chair that I like to sit in and read and pray, and I'm there, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, I just told all the leaders that if we do all this work of understanding our past and our present, that you would just show us clearly our future. So I'm ready. <laughs> Lay it on me. And um, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear anything. You know, you, you know what that's like. You, you've done that where you've prayed and asked God. Um, and you got this need. You're facing this challenge. You want to hear direction. And, uh, and it's like, you're not hearing a thing. You're not getting a sense where God's taking you. And, um, and I was sitting there, and uh, I'm just not hearing anything. And, and I, this was weeks, and literally, so it's been, now it's been over a year. And now the board is very kindly, our governing board, which is a wonderful board, um, uh, very kindly, gently is saying to me, hey, how's that whole vision thing going? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're working on it. It's, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making some progress, and... I go back and sit in my chair and say, oh, Lord, I could, I, I could really, if you could just tell us where we're going in the future, that, that would be, that'd be wonderful and nothing. And this was like, this is like day after day. We're getting weeks. In fact, I'm coming back to our, 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 our senior leaders, our, our pastors, and I'm saying, hey, what do you think about this? 
well, I don't know about that. And I, now I'm starting to wonder if, I, you know, uh, well, well, well maybe, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. And I go back in my chair, I realize it's none of that. And Lord, um, I could really, really use the vision right now because people are looking at me wondering where we're going. And I'm praying. And one time I felt like the, the Holy Spirit said to me, um, Steve, you know it, it's in you. And I said out loud, that's not very helpful. <laughs> I know it. Then why, why aren't I writing it down? Uh, but, it, but it just took me to another, okay, so I know it, then, um, well, so what is it? And, and, you know, often when I'm praying and listening and I'm reading the word and I'm just, I'm just listening to God, oftentimes what he does is he directs me to a passage of scripture. That's just how he talks to me. Um, and uh, on, on one of those days, it was, he, he took me to Exodus chapter 13. And I'm sitting in my chair uh, in my living room, and I get to Exodus chapter 13. And, uh, and really the verses of, of that chapter 17 through 22 is what, stuck, uh, what stood out to me. And um, I want to read that text to you. First, give you a little context. The, the people of God have been in Egypt for slavery, uh, in slavery for over 400 years. Um, you, you know the story how Moses is, is God's deliverer raised up to, to bring the people out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. And, um, uh, and there's this um, incredible, these d- incredible demonstrations of God's power. You have the Red Sea parting and the people walking through the Red Sea. And now they're in the wilderness and God's going to lead them to the promised land. And that's the context uh, for this, this journey, this wilderness Uh, journey that I want to read to you from Exodus 13. Let me pick it up in verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from his place. The Israelites left Succoth and and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read scripture and, I, and I'll reread a chapter and then reread it again and meditate on it, I, I like to think in pictures of what this was like. What would this be like for a people who have been in slavery for 400 years, who, who follow this leader who's taken them to the promised land, promised land, to see the Red Sea part, to walk through that Red Sea, to hear the chariots chasing them, and then to see God close that Red Sea in on them to deliver them, and then to be in the wilderness being led by God by a pillar of cloud, and by day, and a pillar of fire by night. It had to be so awe-inspiring. It had to be just so um, incredible to see. 
that this awesome display of God's manifest presence right with you. It must have inspired confidence, assurance that he was with you. And, and to follow the cloud must have been so absolutely inspiring. Yet, at the same time, I think it's also, uh, it also can be frustrating. It, it, can, it can appear inefficient and, frankly, inconvenient. Because whenever the cloud moves, you move. I mean, get this scenario. You've been coming along in the wilderness. You've got all your stuff, back, you know, you're backpacking it through the wilderness, and the cloud stops. And so you unpack your stuff. You set up your tents. You blow air into your air mattresses. You get your folding chairs out. You get your Coleman stove all set up. You're ready to camp. And you could be here five minutes or five years. And then the cloud starts picking up again and moving again, and you got to follow the cloud. So you got to pack up all this stuff. You just got here. You got to pack it all up, and then you got to get moving again. At one moment, it's awe inspiring and beautiful and majestic, and then at the other moment, it's like we just got here. You know, it's interesting. If If you look at a map of Sinai and you draw a straight line of what it would take to get from Egypt to the Promised Land, it's a pretty simple trek. This is my uh, kind of rendition of what the journey actually looked like. <laughs> uh, now, there, there's, a, there's a story to, the, to all this. But this is what following God is like sometimes. We got in our minds... Okay, so here's how we get from here to there, straight line, and then God does a zigzag thing, takes you in circles, and... Hey, it's, a, it's majestic, it's an incredible display of power, yet at the same time, it's like, God, where, where are you taking us? Where, where are we going? Where, are we going anywhere? Well, I'm, I'm reading this, and um, it, it dawns on me that for these people in Exodus chapter 13, their vision doesn't go any farther than the cloud. Their vision isn't any farther than where they can see God in front of them. I was, I was uh, meeting with some pastors a while back, and this one pastor was having a conversation and talking about um, uh, why, uh, why so often um, people get disillusioned in their faith, maybe even pastors get burnt out in their faith. And uh, he was... He drew this picture of, uh, of the way that we as Christ followers and as leaders, how we look at our world and how we make decisions, especially as we're looking into the future and making significant decisions. We, we have these, what he called three horizons. Um, the, the first horizon that we typically lead from uh, is this horizon of reason. This is where we think things through. This is where we process things in our heads and we try to make sense uh, so that we'll understand what is the wisest decision for us to make. Uh, and and, and um, this is where we, we, uh, we use wisdom and logic. And the, the math here, we want things to add up. So one plus one plus one equals... Three, thank you. Just checking. One plus one plus one 
equals 3. It all adds up, and when it makes sense to us, then we move to our next horizon, our second horizon. And that second horizon then typically is faith. So we, once it makes sense to us, once we were working the principles and it, it all adds up, then we, we take some steps of faith and we add that to the mix. And then what happens as we take these steps of faith and we move out, our smallest horizon is encountered and um, that is mystery. This is where we um, experience the transcendence of God, the confounding wisdom of God. And by the way, the math here is one plus one plus one equals one. Three and one, right? That's a little mysterious. How, you ever, how, hard, how hard it is to explain the Trinity? The problem is, is if we go through life with these horizons and this priority of things need to make sense first, and once they make sense, I'm going to add some faith to them, and then, by the way, on that journey, I'll probably see God in there because surely he's leading me this way. The problem with this is that it's completely upside down. Because, really, if you look at the scriptures... And you look at the story in Exodus chapter 13, our first horizon needs to be mystery. Church, we're, we're, we're cloud followers. That's who we've been our entire history as a church. We're cloud followers. Yet our culture thinks completely differently. But we have been called to live counterculturally here, or if God calls, to live cross-culturally somewhere else. But we're cloud followers. And the first place we go is to God. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for reason. There's not a place for thinking. There absolutely is. But when we start with a journey with God, he's at the front and we follow his lead. And this is where the math does not add up. And then, once you get a sense that God is leading you, you take a step of faith. Remember that Indiana Jones movie? Where they're at this cliff, and I think they've got this map that says, go this way, and they're at a cliff, and there's no walkway, and they're supposed to step out, and uh, you know they throw some sand out there, and they realize there's this invisible path that's going to take them from one cliff to the next. And, and Indy takes his first step out there, and he's scared spitless. That's cloud following. Because you're taking steps of faith of what you believe God said to you, and you step out. When you've reasoned it all out, you're stepping out in your own wisdom. And then when you do that, sometimes what happens, not every time, you get to this last horizon, the horizon of reason, and once you take these steps, ah, oh, then the math starts to add up. Oh, Sorry, that's supposed to be a three. My mom always told me to work on my pen, penmanship, and this was the moment that I was supposed to be ready for. I'm going to do this for my mom. Uh, this is when... That's not much better. Uh, this is when... <laughs> this is when we, we go, oh, that's what God was doing. 
I want to give you a practical example of this. You look across the street and you walk in the coffee shop at Broadway Commons or you step into the, the clinic over there or you go to a life center class or you step into the upper room, our prayer room up there, and you look at it and go, man, what an incredible place. Do you know that when we started casting the vision for Broadway Commons, we had no idea of what it would look like. All we knew was God was telling us, that land, I want you to buy it, and we're going to build something. And I remember because I was on the team of people who were, were casting the vision and trying to, to, to lead us into investing and moving forward with this building. And as we moved forward with this building and I engaged in conversations, people said, hey, hey uh, Fowler, uh, how much is that building going to cost? Uh, you know, 12 to $15 million. Ooh, that's a lot of money. What are we going to do over there? You know, don't really know yet uh, what we're going to do. Um, you ever tried to lead that way? It's ridiculous. And so if you're used to running a business, you know, you, you lead with reason, and hopefully as a Christ follower, you're leading with mystery as well. But this is completely upside down. I remember being in conversations. We, we arranged these desserts. We'd be in people's homes, and uh, it was a Q&A, and I was trying to cast a vision for Broadway. And really, the only thing we knew as, as a board, we knew there was a moment when God was saying to us, we need to move forward and move to the center of the city and build that building. That's all we knew. And I sat in people's homes, and they asked me the questions, and all I could tell them was that, look, Here's all I know. God is going to do something over there. We need to be obedient and follow him. And some people looked at me and said, that, that's foolish. And I can understand where they're coming from. If I cooked it up or someone else cooked it up. But what do we do when God says, hey, I'm moving, follow me. And so you took steps of faith and gave generously and with each step we took, we had greater clarity of what God could do across the street. We started dreaming about a coffee shop, a side door ministry where church, community, and commerce could come together for the common good. I don't know if you've been over there, but that's happening beyond our wildest dreams. Barbara Fletcher and, and, and her team with Salem Free Medical Clinics is... Um, we partnered with West Salem Foursquare and, and diving in and, and, and having a, a clinic over there. <laughs> you know, early on, we thought, well, hey, once a month, we could have like a, you know, an eye clinic for kids at Grant School, which would have been fabulous. In September of 2010, we had six clinics scheduled at Broadway Commons. Next month, we already have planned 53. And there's a list of people waiting for care. We have life center classes. Over 200 students enrolled in life center classes. We have 150 people a week coming through the upper room. 60% of our English language learning, learning volunteers have said that they have had a significant spiritual conversation with one of their students. You see, when we cut the ribbon on Broadway, we got to this point where it's like, okay, this is starting to... Now I can start to see some of the reasons... But not a single person could stand up and say, I thought of that. Because we didn't. Because God did. And you and I took steps of faith out into this unknown 
and we're still doing it. And it's scary. And I'll just be honest with you. The math still doesn't add up. Can you imagine doing budget, going, well, you know, the math doesn't add up, but huh, let's go, God's telling us to go. That takes a board with faith. We have a board. We have a board that's faithful. We have a staff that's faithful. We have a church whose ears are tuned to what the Spirit is saying. And I want you to know, everything within us, everything within our culture wants to lead with reasons. It needs to make sense to me. And once it makes sense to me, I'm going to step out. There is a place for wisdom. There is absolutely a place for reason. I'm not tossing that out the window. But what I'm saying is first and foremost, primary to our walk with Christ is we need to hear him and see him and follow him when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. So, the reason I'm sharing that all with you is because I want to first establish for us that we are cloud followers. First and foremost, we are a people who have been brought out of slavery. We're learning that in our study of Romans. We've been brought out of slavery, and now we are keeping step with the Spirit. We're following the cloud. And as we do that, as we firmly establish and we have this community agreement, this church agreement, the fact that we are indeed cloud followers, I want to share with you a sense of where we as leaders, we as a church are, are hearing that God is taking us. Because we have a sense that the cloud is moving. That he's asking us to pack up some of our things and shift some focus. Now, even as I say that, I want you to know, we're not pulling back from anything we're doing. We will continue to invest in the nations and the neighborhoods. We will continue to live out our mission statement of exalting Jesus Christ, becoming his fully devoted followers, and sharing his grace and truth with all people. We are wholeheartedly committed to that. That's why we exist. But we sense God is up to something, and we need to realign ourselves to go where he's going. There is a conviction in my heart that in the next years, one, two years, or 25 years, this next season, there's a conviction in my heart that that there is a great awakening that will take place in our region. That God will be touching the hearts of hundreds, thousands of people who will turn to him. And that may be prompted by some difficult circumstances. Or it may be just a sovereign move of God. It is my conviction that in this next season, however many years, that there will be a great awakening. And I want to share with you honestly and personally that I don't believe we are ready for it. That there are all these people who are going to be coming our way, who are going to need to be discipled, who are going to be, need to be, uh, to be brought into the family and grown up, and, and, and we're not ready for it because 
frankly, here, here's the case. There's a great awakening that will happen, but we're not awake. And please don't hear me as trying to guilt you into anything or, or, or any kind of, of uh, point the finger. I'm talking about my own heart. I'm talking about our heart. What I'm saying is that I believe there's going to be a move of God, a great awakening where people are coming to us and we need to prepare our own hearts and we need to be awake. The fact of the reality is in America, in the church in America, nominalism, consumerism, meism, the full-blown self-expression of the sins, self-sins, has its hands firmly around the neck of the church and it's choking us to death. It's killing us. And I want you to know that we have a sense that God is saying to us, it's time to, to focus on being a fully devoted follower. It's time to plunge your roots deep into the life of Christ. We talk often and we celebrate appropriately people inviting Christ into their life. And what I want you to, I want you to hear today is that Christ is inviting us to plunge our lives into his life. He's calling us deeper. And we need to wake up. There are people coming our way who need you to disciple them, which means we need to be right now disciples who make disciples who make disciples, firmly grounded in the truth, convicted of taking the good news of the gospel to people of the streets of Salem and Kaiser and around the world, undistracted by all the stuff, the trinkets of the world, appetites that are so strong for God and so weak for the things of this world. The reality is, is that I find for me personally that my appetite for the things of this world are too strong. I know you don't deal with that, but that's my problem. We need to wake up because God's moving us somewhere and we want to join him. In the weeks to come, I want to just give you some pictures of, of what that might look like. Today, I just want to begin the conversation. Today, I just want I want you to process personally where you are at in your journey with Christ. And hear him speak his invitation, not just to us as the church, but to you personally, to hear Jesus say to you, Come deep with me. Push out into the deep waters with me. And he's waiting for you to respond to him. I want you to grapple with this personally. And for us as a church to, to ponder and think about this personally. So we can follow his lead. Take our steps of faith. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll paint some of the pictures of what the specifics of that look like. But today, I want you to hear, we're cloud followers. Our eyes are on him. 
And we have a strong sense that what he is saying to us is, I want you to be a fully devoted follower. I want you to plunge deep into my life. Follow me.